This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Okay, here we are with you in the weeds. And last week we looked at suffering and obedience. And we're tackling the concept of if I obey God, do I escape suffering? So we're going to do part two today. And we have three things that we want you to walk away with. Number one, we're going to suffer in this life, but God is with us. Number two, how to suffer well. And number three, what can happen if and when we suffer? And joining me today, uh, I'm Juan, John, the one of the co-hosts of the show. With me is Shay. Hi, John. And Austin. Father John, good to see you. Yeah. So in the previous episode, we examined how believing, if I obey God, I won't suffer, will keep you stuck. And I'm going to add not only stuck, but truly hurt and put on a path of despair and giving up on God. Because really bad theology, even though it might be popular, brings bad things into your life. So today we're gonna talk about something better to believe, something that will help you move forward, get unstuck when you're suffering, and bring the life of God into your hurt. And here it is, you ready? Obeying God includes suffering. And guys, I got to tell you this, this is a big topic. There's so much we could say. Yeah, I feel like it's a little bit like that mosquito in a nudist colony. You know, where do you begin? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But but it's so true. You know, this is such a complex topic. And we're not going to be able to answer every one of our listeners' questions. But what we do have to say will hopefully be meaningful. And we think we'll go a long way to helping you get unstuck. Absolutely. And, And people get stuck for a variety of reasons. Um, you know, I was thinking about this. Our, our national religion, our folk, folk religion, is if you do the right things in life, uh, suffering won't come your way. Or, you know, the, the health-wealth gospel preachers out there, they lead people as, astray. They say, you know, if you just have enough faith, uh, of course, emphasis on your faith, uh, God will bless you with riches and you'll have an easy life. Or... Um, we can even slip back into the thinking as Christians mm. that that God must be punish me, punishing me for something I've done wrong in life. And, and so we know we're saved by God's grace, but we think, you know what, now that I have a clean slate, I have to get my act together. Mm. But we make progress against sin in the Christian life um, because we know how much we're loved and accepted and forgiven and saved by God's grace. So, yeah. so the whole Christian life is, is, is God's grace working in our lives. Yeah, That's you said something pretty interesting, if I can just touch on it. 
emphasis on your faith, kind of like, I'm going to pump up my faith, be super strong Christian, like the Rex Quando of, you know, believing in Jesus. Yeah. And the other component that you're really pulling out is it's just the weirdest thing. We begin the Christian life by grace, and then we flip it to, well, now I have to work really hard. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I'm glad you mentioned this is a complex topic, and we're not going to answer every question, but, you know, we do want to give you some answers. And so the way we're going to do this, we're going to give you three things that you need to know. Uh, And here's the first. We are going to suffer in this life. But Jesus is in the midst of our suffering. So just accept it. Right. Yeah. So, so there's there's two parts. The first part, we're going to suffer. Uh, unfortunately, I don't need to convince. I don't think anybody. <laughs> uh, some suffer than, more than most, but we all do it. And again, this is no surprise from the Bible. John 16, 33, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, in this life, you will have trouble. Now, some of that suffering is a result of our own choices. Uh, Some suffering and hardship happens that we're not responsible for, and we'll speak more on that distinction later. But for now, we're going to go through hardships. And guess what? We are in good company. And what I mean is that Jesus suffered too. Uh, But even taking that a step further, he didn't just suffer, but he's with us in the midst of that suffering. And that's the second half of that sentence there. There's so many verses that talk about the presence of God in in any and every circumstance. Um, I'll just do a couple. One is Psalm 139. We quote this all the time, and it's one of my favorite verses, probably your guys' too. But verses 7 through 10 say this, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. It's just the the poetry there and the imagery is amazing. There's nowhere God is not with us. It's so comforting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, The second one is from the New Testament, and this is Jesus speaking in Matthew 28 at the very end of the book. And this is what's known as the Great Commission. You know, Jesus has risen from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. But before he goes, he gives this encouragement to his disciples. He says, surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And always there, it means always. Now, if you're like me, a couple things strike me right away. Number one, I, I, like you said just a minute ago, John, I find those verses to be very encouraging and helpful. But when I'm other on the other side mm. of hardship and suffering. So it's, it's kind of like when I'm sensing at the end of a hard time, I can look backwards and say, wow, Jesus, you know, thank you so much for being there with me. The truths that I know in my mind are actually felt and experienced. But in the middle of it, I want out. Like, when I don't know what's going on or when it's going to end, I don't find verses like this immediately encouraging. In fact, I find them to be discouraging because I'm wondering, okay, what is going on? Like, why am I going through this? Yes, you're sovereign. Yes, you're with me. But what gives, God? Like, I want out. Why isn't it getting any better? And so, I don't know, John or Shay, what would you guys say to somebody, and my guess is if you're listening in some form or another, this is you, or maybe you know somebody, but what would you say to somebody who's in the midst of extremely painful hardship or suffering like this? Maybe someone whose child uh, dies of cancer or a spouse that unexpectedly passes away. Uh, I face this all the time in session with clients, and it's, it's so 
hard. And I'll give you uh, an example. Years ago, I had a client who was abused as a child, uh, sexually abused, uh, by an authoritarian, like, sort of father figure in the family. And this person was a dear follower of Jesus, tender heart. And she broke down in tears. And she said, where, where was Jesus? Where was he? And she was crying. And she said, I just don't understand this. Hmm. And I just, I get angry at times. And I have two basic answers to that. Number one, um, I don't know. I don't even pretend to know why God allowed it. Um, and, And I don't even go into that because God doesn't give an answer to that. And so I have to suffer the silence mm-hmm. and suffer the pain of that person. Suffer and the silence, it. yeah. Suffer mm-hmm. it. I mean, that's to be with somebody means sometimes you suffer it with them. The other thing that I said to this client is I want you to be angry with God and I want you to fight with him because that is an expression of faith. Because you're hanging on to him saying, you have to tell me, you have to be there with me, you have to give me an answer. Um, That's the story of Jacob, you know, wrestling with God in the Old Testament. Like, and Peter, the disciple, to whom else are we going to go? You only have the answers, like Mm -hmm. to eternal life. So the opposite of faith is indifference. It's like walking away from it. Fighting is actively God, I have to have you. So it gave her freedom like to wrestle with that question. And the other thing is the only answer I've ever found that means anything is that Jesus is on the cross and he suffers with us and Mm -hmm. there is no other God like this. Mm -hmm. So I don't know the specifics of an answer, but I do know a God who has entered into having his flesh torn apart, his soul abandoned, and knows what that's like. Yeah, and hearing that story, John, um, in this, this lady and what was done to her. I mean, we're going to talk about the justice of God here in a little bit, but uh, and and how that is in some sense a can can be a comforting uh, doctrine. But you know, all these situations you throw throughout to us, Austin, um, they're really difficult. A, ch- a child dying, someone um, dying of cancer. Um, you know, there there are no pat answers. Um, we, we live in a fallen world, uh, a world that is, it's not the way it's supposed to be um, because of sin. And, and because of that, we will all suffer in this life, you know, just to keep living, just keep breathing. Um, if you haven't suffering, <laughs> suffered, you're going to. We're all going to die eventually, right? We're all going to face suffering at some point. Um, you know, sometimes I, I've sat with cancer patients over the years and their loved ones. And, and I've watched them as they've suffered so much. And, and there are some people that, in, you know, that they go through so much hardship that, that they get to a point that they just want to go home and be with Jesus. And, and you know what? It, that's a good thing. Uh, it, it's a good thing to be with Jesus. Um, better off being with Jesus than our best day on this earth, I like to say. And the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to fear death because if we believe in Jesus and trust in him as our savior and as our king, we pass on to be with him. With him. And, and the story, our story is just beginning at that point. Hmm. And, and those of us uh, who are left behind when a loved one passes away, 
You know, the, the Bible gives us um, comfort as well. Um, you know, we grieve as people who have hope, as the Apostle Paul says, because we, we know that the grave isn't all there is at death. You know, this life is just a small dot, and the line of eternity goes on forever. Mm. And, and, and one day, guys, when we die, we, we go to be with Jesus, and when he comes back, we're going to receive resurrected bodies that no longer know disease and death because Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death. So, so we need to be reminded of the, of the gospel. John, you, you started us. Theology really does matter, doesn't mm-hmm. it? What we believe to be, um, what we believe about God and, 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 and our future. Yeah, it has an impact on our day-to-day life. Absolutely. Yeah, and even, you know, the theology is kind of the, we'll call it up in the clouds stuff that we need to believe. Maybe the North Star, that's true. And what's also difficult is sometimes we're, not to get too cute, but in the weeds. Yeah. And it's hard to really know and believe those things. So we need both, but we have to reckon with both. And Shay, this is what I love and why we're talking about this. We can't just talk about the theology on high. We got to deal with the day-to-day hard experiential realities of what is going on right now. Which is exactly what we're going to get into. But why God takes a child with cancer or some other disease, we just don't know. Um, You know, maybe perhaps to save them from some future suffering. But but we don't know the mind of God, do we, John? I, I, you know, I I think of um, Lizzie Wampler, a little girl in our church who died of cancer and I got a chance to minister to her and, and her family and and baptize her before she passed. And uh, I, I remember the day that I baptized her in her home. Um, right after I did that, as I was walking out, you guys won't believe this, but uh, Michael Porter Jr., who just won an NBA championship with the Denver Nuggets, uh, showed up right as I was leaving to be there with Lizzie and mm. to pray with her. And uh, it meant so much um, to her. But, but I think about all the good that has come from her story and her faith and how she encouraged so many other kids going through cancer at St. Jude's and the money that has been raised. But at the end of the day, we don't know why God took her. But I do know that God, too, has stepped into our suffering and God himself has lost a son on our behalf for our sin. And Paul says, if God loves us that much— to give us his son, won't he give us all things in life, in this life and in the life to come? And a God that would do that, I can trust even when I don't or we don't have all of the answers. Yeah, and as Austin was saying, there's the North Star. That's the truth that's true, whether or not you feel it. But when we're in it, the questions of why or confusion that will come overshadows the truth, and we can get really lost in there. Um, We can live without knowing a why if we know the who. Mm -hmm. Um, But even knowing the who at times, if you go through the Psalms, there are profound questions of, this is not right. Damn it. Why is this happening? I don't get this. God, where are you? There is no one who cares for my soul as David says in one of the Psalms. So you can really get lost in in those weeds. The truth is true, 
but it takes a lifetime to filter down into shoe leather. Yeah, that's right. So, so that's the first thing that you need to know is that you and I are going to suffer and that Jesus is with us in the midst of suffering. Here's the second thing that we think you need to know. It's how to suffer. And there's four ways that we're going to talk about that are important. And here's the first one. And John, you just alluded to it. We want to be real in our suffering. Be real in your suffering. What I mean is genuinely express what's going on inside you. You know, let those emotions and thoughts come. There's a guy named John Bowlby who is the godfather of what's called attachment theory. And in the 60s and 70s in Great Britain, he began systematically researching people's experiences of suffering and loss. He was trying to figure out, you know, what their experience was like in the midst of suffering, but that also what contributed to healthy grieving and mourning versus unhealthy. And guess what one of the factors was that contributed to unhealthy grieving? What? Emotional stuffing. That's my word, not his. And we're not talking about Thanksgiving. <laughs> right, not Thanksgiving. <laughs> Keeping it all in, trying to put on a good face. They found that people who did this, and, and Bowlby called it, you know, keeping a stiff upper lip. Those people, He was British. Yeah, he was British. Oh, this stiff upper lip. That's good. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Those people ended up with more physical, mental, and emotional health issues in the long run. And they weren't able to get over their loss because they were stuck and they were ruminating on it. And in the end... Their suffering was prolonged. Why? Well, it's because they weren't real in their suffering. Instead, what Bowlby's research found and what is confirmed in the scriptures was the importance of being real and open and honest about their experiences. So real truth can only be applied to real suffering. Exactly right. You have to bring your suffering raw as it is to the truthfulness of who Jesus is. Yeah, and, you know, Jesus did this. I mean, think about this. In the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before he's arrested, he's, he's there, he's praying to his father, and he says this in Luke 22. Listen to this. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. That means the cup of suffering that's coming for the past, present, and future sins of humanity. Take this cup from me. You know what I think he was saying there? Can I freely like illustrate this or paraphrase it? I think in his humanity, he was saying, I don't know if I can pull this off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all get there. Yeah. And, and he <clears> said, <throat> you know, in, a, in, a, in another sense, he's saying, I don't want to do this. I want out. Hit the eject button. But he ended the prayer with not my will, but your will be done. In the end, thank goodness, he was faithful and willingly submitted to the Father's plan. What's the point? What's this mean for you and me? Well, it means taking a page from Jesus's book and from the common grace wisdom of John Bowlby and others and get real in suffering. Don't ignore it. Don't minimize it, but name it and express it and share it. And so maybe that means you need to just go outside and scream and yell. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe you start a journal and you start writing down your real thoughts and feelings, not the ones that you should say, and I'm a good Christian and let me just check all the boxes. No, but the ones when you're angry and frustrated, maybe you meet up with a friend and just let them listen, ask them to listen while you vent. I don't know. Austin, that's really good. Be real in your suffering. Um, it's, it's so key. Um, God doesn't expect us to be robots, right? He's made us humans. Hope not. Yeah. But, but the second way on, on how to suffer is I, I think we have to remember who God is in those instances. You know, when I suffer something big or small, I have to remember that God is sovereign. Uh, God is in control of this situation. Uh, 
whatever's happening didn't catch him by surprise. And, and, and that brings comfort to my heart that he knew this beforehand. He's in control. And God is working all things for the good of those who love him. So he has a plan. He has a purpose for this. Even when this side of heaven, I may not know why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and, and so we have to remember who God is in the midst of our suffering. But the third thing I would say is, and you kind of alluded to this, Austin, is, is don't suffer alone. Right. We, mm, we need yeah. community. We, we need others to come alongside us, to encourage us and pray with us and just be there to listen. I, I remember um, when uh, both my mom and my dad died. And, and I remember what was the most comforting thing to me during those times was not somebody showing up and quoting Romans eight twenty eight to me. It, it really wasn't. It was just them being there. They didn't have to say a thing, mm. but just maybe giving a hug. It was their presence that meant more to me yeah. than anything. Yeah, because that, that Bible verse is necessary, but it's, I mean, you think about it, it's cognitive. Whereas somebody's presence and like getting a hug, you're feeling that whole body experience. And so you really know it on a deeper and truer level. And that's so important. That's such a good example and distinction of what we're talking about. Absolutely. Here. Yeah. Yeah. John, what's the final one? How, how can we suffer well? The other thing that I think is important to know is loosen your grip on kind of moralizing suffering. And usually this goes down the path of, well, there's a lesson in this. Mm. I need to learn something. So why, why is God doing this? You better figure that out. He's teaching me something. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, but I really think you have to hold that kind of loosely. I've even heard that put into a phrase. You don't get the blessing until you get the lesson. And <laughs> sounds like Shay's prayers last Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, there you go. I, you know, I, and, and I think there's some truth to that if your suffering is the result of doing something just really stupid. Like you make a bunch of stupid choices and you've ended up getting drunk and hitting a tree with your car, and now you have to pay a big insurance bill. Well, yeah, there's a lesson there, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. I think you all can figure it <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But there, that's not God teaching you. A, well, that is God teaching you a lesson because mm-hmm. that's a consequence. Right. right. Because of what you said, stupid suffering, we would say a sinful choice that you made, which resulted. What's the lesson? Yeah. Don't get drunk and drive, maybe. <laughs> and that's how we learn. Yep. We learn from negative consequences. Yep. But what we're talking about here is unwanted, unjust unexplained suffering that we just can't figure out. And there's not always a lesson in that. Yeah. It, it reminds me, I mean, we see both of these distinctions in the book of of First Peter. Remember, Peter in, in that book is writing to a community who's undergoing persecution uh, to remind them of their great inheritance that is stored up for them in heaven that's secure, that, that no matter what happens uh, to them, that, that this is going to be true. But, but he says it, it's one thing, right, to suffer as a thief or a murderer or a meddler. Um, you know, you're someone who's always going around getting involved in other people's uh, um, 
business. Was that wrong? <laughs> Should I not have done that? <laughs> right? And so Peter's message to them, right, to the murderer, the thief, and the meddler who's gossiping, always involved in other people's business, and you wonder why people don't like you very much, it, the, the message is, is repent. That's the message you need to learn, right? Repent of, of, of your sin. Exactly. You're bringing this suffering on yourself. That's the stupid stuff. Right. But Peter also reminds them that they, they may suffer in this life for just doing good. And he reminds them that, right, that, that, that judgment is coming, and, and that's a good thing. Um, sometimes we suffer because people do evil things to us. And God one day is going to bring about justice for all the evil done on this earth. You know, everything, everyone always thinks it's so awful to think about God as a judge, you know, he's, you hear this, right? He's a God of love. Um, I did a wedding this weekend and one of the groomsmen, the best man actually, right as we're walking uh, down the aisle, he's, he's kind of whispering to me and arguing with me saying, you know, hell didn't really come about until Dante's Inferno. And so I mentioned to him, I said, uh, you know, Jesus talked about hell. In fact, I think he talked about it more than he did sex, by the way. Hmm. But uh, that aside, but, but, you know, we don't so like to think. judgment, yeah, you're saying. Yeah, we don't, we don't like to think about God's judgment. Uh, we don't like to think of God in that way. But, but what about the Hitlers of the world? What about all of the injustice done in this world where, where injustice done in this world where justice is never done? You know, only a person who lives in a tiny bubble in this world and has never suffered injustice would think that it is cruel for God to come back and judge this world. Yeah, and, and you know, you bring up Hitler, who's clearly a good example, but there's also more modern examples. Like, think of Harvey Weinstein or yeah, somebody like Bill Cosby or all of the things, some of the modern things that we are, I would say, rightly and justly outraged by all the wrong and harm that's being done. We've got this impulse that we know we need justice and judgment to come righteously. I mean, there's a sense in which it's okay to sit there and think, I really want Jesus to punch that person in the face. Right. Because what they've done is wrong. Right. So we, on the one hand, we don't want to believe in a judging God. Right. But on the other hand, we all want one. That's exactly right. When we run into our own hurt. That, that's exactly right. And it, it's that God's judgment, God's the, the idea that God is going to bring about justice is the only thing that keeps us, it, it enables us to forgive, right, other people. It, it keeps us from taking revenge on people because we know that, that one day God is going to make it all right. But the, the reality is, the truth is that if he does come back as judge— um, you know, we ask the question, what hope is there for us? Because <laughs> you know, we know our own hearts. We know how sinful we are. You know, just think about if God had a tape recorder uh, around our necks and recorded every word that we've ever said about anyone. And I think about that. That's an old Francis Schaeffer illustration. Mm -hmm. But we think how guilty we are, right? Um, we, we also deserve... God's justice, and thank God we have a Savior in Jesus. Yeah, about three years ago, I remember driving home from work thinking about some people that had hurt me, and I was thinking, man, I really want Jesus to just to mop the floor with them. I really want him to kick their butts, and someday he will. And just chalk it up to the Holy Spirit. I started thinking, I entered into that thinking, yeah, I really want that. But then I thought, I bet there are people out there, and I know there are, 
who would look at me and say the same thing. Yeah. I really want Jesus to mop the floor with John Tenon. (laughs) And if that happens, what do I want? I want mercy. Yeah. So when you really get real about how much justice you want and you leave it in God's hands, it opens the door for we all need mercy. Yep. Yeah. So we told you it's a complex topic, far-reaching implications, but just to bring it back, the four main ways of how to suffer well, we, we got to be genuine, be real in your suffering, remember who God is, don't suffer alone, and let's loosen our grip on the lesson. Uh, just to remind you, the four main ways of how to suffer well, we want to be real in our suffering, we want to remember who God is, we don't want to suffer alone, and then loosen the grip on the lesson. Uh, So for now, let's take a quick break, break, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back in a jiffy, but we wanna take a quick pause to say thank you. Thank you so much for listening in. If you like what you're hearing, think about texting this episode to a friend and find us on Instagram at withyouintheweeds. Okay, we're back. And the third thing that we want to jump into that we think you need to know is what can happen if, I'm not even sure if I like if, what can happen when we suffer, because we will. Um, There's a passage in Romans 5. I'm going to read it for you and then make a couple of comments. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This is a great anchoring passage, but I want to say this. There is a difference between the truth of this passage, and it's ultimately true, difference between the truth of it and how it feels in real life, because perseverance, character, and hope are born out of immense internal conflict as we suffer, and it's played out over time. Yeah, Yeah, so it seems like what you're saying, John, is what can happen when we suffer, not if, but when. Well, what that verse shows is we can grow in character and resilience. And I love what you said about how this, (laughs) the truth of this verse versus the feeling. Yes. Like, this isn't one of those, this is great, awesome. No, this verse sucks. This is really hard, and yet it's true. So I'm, I love that distinction. You know what? Childbirth would be a good example. <laughs> now, like the three few guys, times, the few times on the podcast we? talking about the few times I've gone through it, uh-huh. what I've experienced is, no, but seriously, if you, the Bible uses childbirth mm-hmm. as an analogy. Yeah. Paul does in Romans 8. And the thing is, is, man, when I watched my wife give birth to our first child, I thought she was going to die. And all I saw was pain, and she was miserable, but life was coming. And so Mm. in that moment, like to pat her on the shoulder and say, it's okay, babe, this is really good, would have been so wrong. But something so beautiful was coming out of it. Yeah. So the point is, only after suffering has done its work can we have the perspective to look back and see the beauty of the character the faith that was being strengthened and the hope that 
is born. Yeah. And, you know, an example, I hear the truth like that, you know, character and resilience comes through suffering. Just an example of what could this look like kind of on the ground. Um, You know, last week our church finished up Kids Club, which is kind of our version of Vacation Bible School on steroids. It's such a cool thing, but it's pretty intense. I don't know the numbers. It's something like 800 kids, 600 volunteers. But I remember the very first year I served in a classroom. I didn't have kids and it was bonkers, man. There's 25 kids screaming and yelling and eating pizza and doing crafts. And we're taking them to different rooms all at 500 miles an hour. I left that first day and especially that week, just exhausted and overwhelmed. I was like, okay, that's the best birth control anybody could ever give me, right? <laughs> but, but fast forward 14 years uh, or so. And, and last year I served again and stepped into all that chaos and I wasn't as overwhelmed. You know, I was able to be a little more patient and present and less rattled. Well, what happened? Well, uh, just over time, thanks to having kiddos of my own, I just got used to that level of chaos. And I think it's because over time, Jesus, through his spirit, was producing the fruit of patience and self-control in my own life. Not perfectly, but slowly but surely. And so that's just an example of what this could look like. You know, if an initial experience really freaks you out, a couple of years later, you go through the same thing and you're a little more okay. That's yeah. it. You're growing character and you're growing in resilience. Yeah. When my wife gave birth to our second daughter, she was like Barney Fife, like, yeah, I got this. No problem. Because <laughs> she'd, she'd been through it before. Yeah. No problem, Andy. Got it. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of character qualities, uh, yeah, th- there are a couple things that can happen when we suffer. I've noticed this in my own life. I've seen it in others. Is that when we suffer, then we can grow in empathy and compassion towards other people who mm. suffer. Mm. And uh, for whatever reason, it just seems. It, I don't think it's a coincidence that that God sometimes brings people into our lives that that we can encourage because we've gone through that very same thing that they're going through. It's not a coincidence, I don't think. I think God um, matches people up like that. And then the other thing I would say is um, suffering helps us to gain a perspective on what's really important in life. Uh, Solomon, perhaps, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, he says it's better to be at a funeral than a wedding, right? That there's a sense Mm -hmm. where funerals make the best preachers because we're never more uh, aware or cognizant of what's real and true, that we're all going to die. And so suffering... clarifies our thinking as to what's really important in life. What are we living for? You know, uh, is it relationships? Mm. Um, What's our relationship with God look like? You know, all the things that we worry about, um, we don't worry about those things when we go through suffering. We we focus on the things that are important in life. Yeah. You know, the older I get, I've been following Jesus for much of my life. The older I get, the less I want to sit with some little egghead that's read a theology book, I want to sit with somebody who's suffered, mm-hmm. who's walked with Jesus. Thank you for sitting with me at one point in time, because I was that egghead before. But now you've cracked the egg, and uh, <laughs> I'm hopefully on my way to, to being the kind of person you well, want to be Well, I was too. an egghead, too. And, <laughs> I mean, we all start off that way. Yeah. In other words, we want the wisdom that's forged through yeah. suffering. Yeah. That's right. I love the, you know, wisdom that's forged, clarity, Shay, that was a great word. You know, last thing under this section of 
um, you know, what can happen if and when we suffer. I think we can know Jesus more deeply. And I'm talking head and heart knowledge. C.S. Lewis, he wrote a book called A Grief Observed um, on the Heels of the Death of His Wife. And there's a quote that really struck me and I think applies here. It said, nothing less will shake a man out of his merely verbal thinking and his merely notional or logical beliefs. He has to be knocked silly before he comes to his senses. Only torture will bring out the truth. Only under torture does he discover it himself. Mm, I hate that. Can't say it any better than that. I hate that, but I love that. Austin, I love that quote. And, uh, you know, I, I thought of a story of a family that not only illustrates that quote, but it captures essentially everything we've been talking about in in these past couple of episodes. But um, you know, I, and I've told this story in our church before, and and uh, but I, I know a family, uh, the Willis family, Scott and Janet Willis, and uh, the, their story is is years ago um, they were driving from Chicago up to to Milwaukee. And they were behind a, a, a large semi-truck, and a, a piece of metal fell off the truck, and they, they ran over this piece of metal with their van. And uh, they, their five kids were in the back, and the van burst into flames, and mm. um, their children ended up perishing mm. as a result of this. And... Um, and there ended up being a, a, a huge lawsuit over this, obviously, and uh, the governor of Illinois had to step down as a result of this, and just there were some illegal things going on. I'm not going to get into that, but um, Lynn and I became friends with Scott and Janet, and um, and just just to hear their story. I mean, they're they're modern day examples of Job. In, 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 in some sense. They actually witnessed their children perishing and couldn't it do anything couldn't about do it. Couldn't do anything about it. And, um, you know, and, and it's easy um, for us to maybe look and say, well, there's been some things good that have happened as a result of that. Um, they, you know, for example, they, they received this large settlement of money. Um, and from this accident, and they have given money away, and they've supported um, orphanages around the, the world. Um, they gave money at the very beginning of our church at the crossing to help us um, get started, and so in some sense, they helped plant a church in Columbia, Missouri, and and think about all the things that God is doing um, through that. But at the end of the day, in some sense, they're they're like Job um, in that. They don't really know why God did this in their lives. Um, they, they're never told why, but they've been able to hold on to God and His goodness and that He loves them and cares for them. And I've watched them just suffer over through the years and and just hold fast to who um, um, God is. And um, and I think that like Job, they they they're never going to get the why. Maybe until they get to heaven, but. They've got the who. Yeah, and, sometimes and the suffering never ends. It, it never it never ends. And what's amazing is is that I, I will say this is that they they didn't allow that suffering, even though it was great, to make them bitter. Yeah, and their story is unique. Their story is different. And some of us will suffer and go into bitterness 
and some of us will suffer and not do well with it. And then over time, God will pursue us and restore us and bring us into a better place. So it's different for different people. Yeah. And, you know, on the one hand, uh, Shay, I'm really thankful that you told that story in a weird way. Um, I know it's pretty heavy. And so if you're feeling really heavy right now hearing that, you're in good company because I'm right there with you. And at the same time, I think we need to hear that because it can give perspective Mm -hmm. to our suffering. It's an example of where we learn from the lessons and the hardships of others. And we want to take that and we want to apply it to our own lives and our own stories in some way. So again, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm really thankful that you shared that shit. Yeah. And that mosquito is about ready to pop. It (laughs) had so much to feed on here. There is a ton of material. So let's just remind you of where we've been today. Touch on some things. Accept suffering. We're going to be very real and raw with God and pouring out your heart to him. Hold on to the cross. Because he and only he alone is a God who has entered our suffering and promises never to leave us. Don't suffer alone. Find people to be with you in your hurt. It will help lessen your burden. And if you're suffering because of your own dumb choices, learn from the consequences and start making healthier choices, right? But if it's unjust suffering, you may not always get an answer to the why. And in those cases, Learn to trust Jesus over time because it's learned over a lifetime. And believe this, just because you're suffering, that does not mean that you're not spiritual because knowing Jesus involves hardship. There's nobody else I'd want to tackle this episode with. So, guys, thank you so much uh, for being with us in the studio today. And thanks, guys, for listening and hanging in there with us. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see you next episode. Thanks for letting us be with you in the weeds of life. We want this resource to bring you hope and to help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. Follow us on Instagram at WithYouInTheWeeds. If you like what you're hearing, text the episode to a friend, like us, and leave a review. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.